This is CliffCentral.com. Multiplying leadership, moving society the millennial way. But you don't want to end up going after goals and dreams and neglect yourself. Life is like a way, it's a boiler. What goes along comes back along. What goes up now comes down. Be careful how you treat other people because people can say, it is what it is, it does what it does, it doesn't why it is what it is. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Tao. See you, friend. I brought more soldiers than you did. Youth Leadership Platform. It is what it is. It does what it does. <laughs> Welcome to another exciting episode of the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Dao. At Simply Bongani Dao across all social media. Join the conversation. And, you know, today we have, like always, very interesting topic. And I've got very interesting guests to come and speak on the topic as well. So the title of today's episode is Literacy for Change for a Change. Mm. We live in a society and a country where mediocrity in in a lot of um, industries is celebrated. And a lot of the people that put in the time and passion into their craft, normally, you know, they, the background people that no one gets to know about or find out about. But we, we're saying no to that because we in a lot of predicaments in today's society as a country because of that mediocrity. And how can we solve that is through making people learn, making people literate. I've got two wonderful guests uh, today uh, on the show. And one is from Club Readership, and her name is McClody. And I've got also an avid reader and a leader in, in the space. She actually appeared on One Day Leader, a very powerful and potent speaker and debater of South African issues. So sit tight and, and enjoy the show. Welcome to, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Manny. <laughs> don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> Listen, can I, can I put it out there? Okay. That um, I've often seen online that when you have your guests here, you guys take crazy photos. And there's this beautiful banner, and I want that. It's a must. <laughs> Listen, it's a must. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's just out there. Okay, um, thank you. We'll go there and, 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 and take a photo. Please. But kindly introduce yourselves. Um, let's, let's get to know our guests. Okay. Uh, so I am Matodi, as you have mentioned, Matodi Khadle, mm-hmm. um, formerly the Chief Strategic Officer of Club Readership, which is a book publishing company amongst other media entities that we offer. Um, outside of that, I'm very, very passionate about Africa. I'm very passionate about development. And recently I was invited to SABC okay. News to just sort of do a debrief on the president's January 8th statement. And I think that speaks to the kind of person that I'd like to see myself becoming in, 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 in my growth. Okay. Um, somebody who has a lot of influence in terms of what young people consume. And outside of that, I'm also a business development officer for Engine Petroleum. Okay. So I'm really getting to develop myself as a young business leader and professional. Hmm. See? Mm. Told you. Now what must happen? <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. I'm Ludwig Azintlazi. Yes. Uh, born and bred in the Eastern Cape. I always make sure that everywhere I go, I mention that. I know yes. a lot of people from the Eastern Cape will know that they usually say, Amakosa like to talk about people and how they like relatives, basically. They always yeah. go somewhere and find relatives. Yeah. So if anybody here is, yeah, I'm Kaya. <laughs> so uh, uh, really, it's simple. For me, I'm just a serial reader. I think that's relevant even for this conversation that we're having here. Mm-hmm. But basically, life after one day leader I've been deemed as the one day leader but um, uh, more than anything I just love reading I love mm-hmm. creating a culture of reading I want people to realize that it's important for us to read I'm an entrepreneur I think runs in my blood okay. and um, currently working on a, a board game called Funda where we're just celebrating African authors and putting people out there getting young people to read but getting imp- encouraging them to ensure that they play this game while they research and find out information about 
powerful African authors. Okay. Yeah. That's Very amazing. powerful stuff, you know. Very amazing. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's start here. It's very the burning issues, the yeah. current affairs stuff. Yeah. Free education. Mm-hmm. What what are you guys' mm-hmm. stances on free education? Let's start there. All right. So I, I'll put I'll put it this way. The first problem. I mean, we've heard this conversation quite a lot. That mm-hmm. the first issue is that the current leading party pro- made promises back then when it was very important and was mm-hmm. very crucial. Those Bill were very rash. Do you understand? Yeah. And at the time, it made sense for them to make such promises, but the strategy was never really there. But if you've seen the current. Aura mm-hmm. around the topic and how there's a re- there's a strategy that's come up. I think that um, I, I think one one of the things that came up really strongly was that people are being unapologetic about it mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that we get free education. People are not responsible for how. If you yes. promise people something, then sure. it must happen. Exactly. And there is room for free education, as much as it it may sound like it it is just young kids or young students being impulsive or being uh, radical, as the term is thrown around loosely. But but free education, everybody deserves free education for all. So it's up to them how to decide how it, it, it comes about because they made the promise. They must live up to that. Absolutely. What are you 100%. Saying? I yeah. think it's about time that we get a cohort of leaders that can be held accountable yeah. for everything that they promise us. And outside of this, if I can just bring in the reading element and what that does to the mind, I think we also need to start getting a shift in the way that we educate in our primary sector. So primary and high school education really needs to start um, getting young people in spaces where they are educated differently in tune with social issues. Mm. So let's move away from post-apartheid kind of education that just goes with rote learning Mm -hmm. um, and let's get into education that teaches people to solve societal issues. Mm. And I think if we do that from a very young age, we sort of move away from people Everyone um, wanting to get into the tertiary education space to sort of look for that victory, knowing that if they can find it in the primary stages of life, they're well equipped to go out there and start making those changes in entrepreneurship, in government and in civil society. Mm. But, you, you know, we, we live in a very digital age mm. and you might have seen on social media a lot of the people that have placards that mm. have masters or... yes. Yes. Doctorates mm. in even complex um, subjects and degrees yeah. like um, actual science sciences. and things like mm. that that are not getting any jobs. Mm. So how do we reconcile? So already we have a problem mm. between mm. the number of uh, people leaving uh, tertiary education yeah. or the number of graduates that we have mm. and the available jobs. So how will in an, a society that mm. has or gives free education mm. be able to reconcile the the unemployment rate mm. w- wouldn't we do a disservice to the current unemployment rate mm. and and the issues that we have in terms of employment as an Oh, yeah, you can go. Okay. So I think let us take inspiration from Western countries okay. that already have highly developed and highly educated young people. And we see that in these economies, the GDP rates are skyrocketing simply because those young educated people are better equipped at dealing with societal problems. I think we need to reach a certain point in our education and in employment where we realize that it's not merely about getting a job, but about serving your country Mm -hmm. what does it take to be a responsible citizen and what is it that you can do even outside of a nine-to-five that serves the country so maybe we can start looking at mechanisms that educate people for social good okay yeah so with with the number of degrees that are that are available Mm -hmm. there's really um a lot to go around in terms of um, finding something to do as a nine to five for social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, it boils down mainly to a lot of individual choice mm-hmm. and what people think is a problem and is a problem that they want to get involved in and try and solve. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned something about the Western countries, but don't you think that with, with the number of graduates that they're producing, um, because of um, partly free education or sure. free education, or subsidies, but they've got yeah. they've got better infrastructure. They've got the resources. They've got the capital mm, to mm. be able to propel mm, these mm. young um, aspiring, sure. you know, yeah. uh, 
people yeah. to, to be able to, to be employed. I think that puts us in a much better position even because if they've got the infrastructure, it means that we don't and we need people to start getting that infrastructure up. Okay. Yeah. So I'm seeing it as an opportunity. Let's start turning all those degrees into opportunities where people can Start getting involved mm-hmm. in their immediate societies I always say that's even the manifest Of club leadership tell us your story Nobody can tell your story as authentically As you can okay. so Whatever problems that you faced in your immediate environment growing up, whatever social ills that you have faced, nobody mm. can better address those issues than you. Than yourself. So mm. come back with your actuarial sciences degree, sit down with your local municipality and see what value you can bring to that municipality or even your immediate surroundings. Yeah. So, definitely. yeah. No, definitely. I agree with her. The only thing is, um, and my model is pretty simple and okay. the analogy around it is before you come up with a solution you need to know the problem right yes. i mean we've always know that we have an, an issue with the content that's taught in schools even in, mm-hmm. at primary level uh, it's very important that we look at revising the content that we're teaching and, and, and the mm-hmm. syllabus and the criteria of selecting kids who progress right so we're talking about pre-scoring people do you qualify for this what are you made up of what are what were you born for because mm-hmm. naturally you have left re- left siders and and Left brainers and right brainers, right? Yeah. And if you're a left brainer, chances are you're good at stuff that um, have to do with numbers. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a right brainer, you're more of a creative. If we understand that analogy from the very early stages mm-hmm. and kids grow up understanding where they're strong at, we're able to allocate them firstly in their very strong um, subject choices sure. where they're really strong at. So yeah. that alone addresses the issue of our pass rate, the issue of progress and performance in yes. South Africa and in high schools. Then we move on to tertiary. Where we find that there's an imbalance is where there's um, more graduates and less opportunities. If we know the amount of opportunities that are available and we're able to counter produce graduates um, matching those opportunities and based on that criteria that we had selected initially we're able to merge and and find and bridge the gap. So let me make a practical example. Initially we used to have traditional universities, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there was an opportunity that was identified that people need to have experience before Before. they they start in the workspace. Then universities of technology were, were, were discovered And what happens at a university of technology You're not allowed to complete your degree Or whatever qualification that you're working on Without getting expi- exactly. yeah. okay. So we already know that there's a module There's, there's a model there that's working mm-hmm. So you go, go to, the, uh, to the workplace Get experience then you go back to school And complete your degree mm-hmm. Now where I find that there's a problem Is that most students from traditional universities Have absolutely no experience mm-hmm. Because when you go on, on okay. As a first year student you get there Nobody tells you find a job Start working because eventually somebody will tell you that you need to have experience. Yeah. Some people don't have that liberty and that privilege of getting that information. Mm-hmm. So that the sooner we make sure that the, so if, if um, the likes of your DUTs or your VITs are enrolling and you know that for this specific program we have 50 students that we're taking in. Yeah. Let's make sure that there's 50 opportunities available. Absolutely. So it's up to us how we come up with the model, the model and strengthen it and make sure that we're able to find and place the students even before they're accepted into university. Mm-hmm. So I spoke of a criteria initially and yeah. I said primary school. Mm-hmm. So we're still applying a criteria as well when we get to university level because what's the point of getting somebody to enroll if they won't have anywhere to work. Do you understand? Yeah. So the problem now is people are getting unpaid internships Ish. and they have to go back to school and complete uh, their, their qualifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll go back to, to, to being unemployed. Mm-hmm. And the job market, there's a it's lot saturated. of opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities available because people are starting businesses. Mm-hmm. There's companies are enrolled, are, are getting people to come in, but there's no set structure that gets a particular number of people into to come on system. board into yeah. the system. So the minute we establish a system that works and bridges the gap between the number of graduates that are Produced and the number of employment opportunities that are there, yeah. we also know how to push people in, in, in entrepreneurship. Which direction to push them? Mm. Because there's no point in having 500 people doing business in fashion when Absolutely. we also need um, electrical engineers. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes. So there's a lot. Yeah. I, I like that you even mentioned agriculture because there's a lot of opportunities in Africa in agriculture. And we look at, at villages like Elusigisigi. You find people there at home, and they could be doing quite a lot. They've got land. There's a lot of things that could be going on and on. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we don't have a set system, yeah. a set system that kind of bridges the gap between the graduates and those who are unemployed. Let's talk about a, a bit about the quality of education because mm-hmm. you spoke a bit about the skills mismatch yes. mm-hmm. where people get all this theory mm-hmm. but 
the theory that they get as soon as they leave university is very obsolete. Yes. Yeah. And it does not apply to the workspace. And a lot of employers I've I, I found in, in some of the research that I've done is that they find themselves having to teach the people from scratch. Yes. Really. Mm. If they've got a marketing degree, they need to teach them what marketing is mm-hmm. and how it works yeah. in the reality in, in, in the real space. In the space. So Let's talk a bit about the quality of education that mm-hmm. uh, we're getting from 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 university. Mm-hmm. Where, where did we go wrong, and what are, what are some of the things that exist there that we need to fix? I think it goes back to the issue of offering practical, lived experiences mm-hmm. that graduates can immerse themselves in to get an idea of exactly what goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a but slightly unfair to expect for graduates to be up to speed with everything that's happening in industry. Because remember, um, especially in your technologically driven um, industries, yeah. the rate of change is so, so fast yeah. that by the time you've completed your degree, everything that you've learned in your first year is obsolete. Sure. So can we get a system like she has mentioned, that allows graduates to come up to speed. For example, it could be every year. Every every year we divide the year into semesters as we already have, and mm-hmm. then we use the second semester to immerse those students in some form of practical learning that they can get themselves up to speed with what's happening in their industries. I know there's a lot of graduate programs that are coming up now, um, and graduate programs are a platform for young people to get into the corporate environment without necessarily being... Um, Responsible or accountable corporate pre- people, so it still allows them the platform to learn okay. while earning a salary, which I think is also a good move. Mm. Let's start using those platforms and engaging more corporates to invite young people into those spaces to upskill and to improve the quality of their education. Because really, nothing is as 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 good in practice if. If, if we don't, if we're not able to apply what we've learned on paper. Yeah. So let's start to get opportunities where we're applying what we're learning and we're getting up to speed with what's happening around the globe. Hmm. I think um, I just want to interject there with the curriculum. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. So the first problem is that you, I, I go to school and I'm reading about somebody I do not know. Yeah. yeah. You tell me yeah. about Henry Ford. It's all great. I, I love his success. I celebrate mm-hmm. it. Sure. But if you tell me about Gaheso and Soweto, somebody I can relate to, if yes. my case studies are relevant to my surroundings, mm. then I'm able to visualize. I'm able to see that, okay, I saw Gaheso start a, a spaza shop. I used to go buy bread, but now I notice that it's, 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 it's gone into a shop and he moved to Mabonya Mall, for example. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's practical. That's something you've grown. You've, you see it every single day. Yeah. So the issue is that and, and, and I think you've had this discussion quite a lot sure. that even the issue of Ubi, Steve Bigo, you don't read about him in, mm. you sit in history classes and you're told about mm. Jan, Jan van, van Riebeek <laughs> and Christopher Columbus. Do you understand? Yeah. And what you want to know, you want to know about your people. The first yeah. first instinct, and I mentioned this mm-hmm. if I hear of Oar Tambo and I know he was Tosa or I hear of Steve Bigo and I know he was Tosa, I'm mm. generally going to want to find out more. Okay. So you want want to see case studies. We want books and, 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 and textbooks written by South African businessmen. Why don't we have mm. or, or Mr. Maponya writing in books? Why don't yeah. we have them talking about business? Because we're talking mm. about business in the South African spectrum and we're talking about business locally. Mm. Yes, we may make reference to your Henry Fords, but we also want to know in the dynamics of South Africa, yes. what's happening? How do I become prominent? Mm. How, do I, how do I visualize when somebody talks about philosophy? How do I even see what um, a philosopher does? Or yeah. when I graduate, who is a philosopher in my community? Sure. How am I supposed to know? So let it be people. Let, let's let's hear relevant names. Let's hear Onjaz. Mm. Let's hear Onjovu, mm. Onjamini, you know? And mm. then we're able to just say, okay, clearly somebody took time and yeah. they made research and they, and they created content that speaks to me. Mm. So currently the problem is our content does it's not, not relate to us. Yeah. So mm. our syllabus and our criteria and it, 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 it doesn't speak to us. Mm. So I really love what she said about context. Yes. Context is so important, especially in framing a young mind. So we're working on a project with club readership to ensure that some of the books that we get published um, are actually pushed into the education system so that okay. we can start seeing more of those African stories, real life, tangible experiences that African people th- that grew up on the dusty streets in Lusikisiki, for example, mm-hmm. are starting to get 
that that sort of platform in our education system. And I think the mind is is more it's 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 more softer to learning something that's relatable. Mm. Yeah. Tell me about this. So with with so practically we we were speaking about decolonizing um yes. the the education system that we mm-hmm. have because a lot of the stuff that is taught there is irrelevant to yeah. us as Africans. What, what do you think that has done to the identity of our hmm. people hmm. as Africans? Because <laughs> you can literally yeah. stop any 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 young kid hmm. and ask them about hmm. or Chimamanda, hmm. and they wouldn't know hmm. who, who you're talking about. But these are people that had crucial roles in shaping who we are as a people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's, we've been brainwashed in a sense because we only think that maybe, um, w- when we find role models, I mean, I understand that when you're growing up, chances are your parents are going to be your role model because whoever you're exposed to at the time and you think is, is successful or is being prominent or starts acting in a way that, that, that puts them out there in society, you start seeing them as a role model. So yeah. the more we don't talk about, about, um, about our Steve Beagle and our Roberts, we, we don't allow them to to, to try to, try and envision leadership yeah. in the sense. Yeah. When you talk about powerful leadership, we, what, always, what they're exposed to right now is what will, they will become. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the more we write the books, and this is why I even took time to work on on the, on the storyboard and the board game. It's tell, because tell us more yeah. about that. Yeah. So what, what what do you aim to achieve? What what is this board um, about? What, you know. What, what are you working on? So I had this aha moment when I discovered a very powerful writer who had passed on, Professor Mazesi Kunene. He's Zulu and he used to write uh, content and write his stories and poetry and he would be, he would translate into uh, very many uh, languages and he, mm, he would yeah. be, he would be recruited by people abroad to, to translate his stories. Wow. And this is somebody who wrote in his own mother tongue and wow. it was just really profound for me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that the one time I went into a store and I won't mention the name, But (laughs) there was a child there speaking to their parents and um, the communic in in terms of communication, they were all talking in English. And they were they were they were she she, so the child was misbehaving and Mm. she was reprimanding the child. And I felt that this child probably won't know what no means in their own language. And this is I'm talking wow. about a generation that's coming through and already we have mm. that issue of conserving African languages. Sure. Mm. So secondly and our history and heritage. Right? Mm. Yeah. And and I know that every time I talk about a book and I and I mention an author, apart from your Zeke Smda, yeah. and I, mo- I mention an author who's upcoming or somebody who's not known, like Sisong the likes of Ngukiwati exactly mm. and Ngukiwati Yongo, nobody knew about them when mm. I spoke about them. And I was like, But it's very amazing that in Africa we don't know African authors. Yeah. Yeah. So then this Absolutely. idea came about that I want to create something that allows people to learn and uh, preserve their languages at mm-hmm. the same time know who's writing the books that we're reading mm-hmm. take time to read up about them take time to read up about the Absolutely. content that they're putting together yeah. Yeah. the stories that they're telling mm-hmm. so most people would be Ludwe I really want to read, but I don't know what to read. Mm. So I, I want that to be the answer to most people who don't know what to read. Yes. So if, you, if you're putting together a word and, and it reads, um, the heart of redness by yeah. Zayt Zimda, sure. uh, then you, you'll know, okay, clearly this is something. I could read this. The title mm. is very interesting. Mm. It's enticing. Mm. Mm. So I wanted it to be a solution to bridge the gap between people preserving their culture and heritage, the languages, yeah. and then getting content and putting African authors out there yeah. so that we know who's writing our books. And then also, so just knowing um, everything about your environment around Absolutely. you, generally people, uh, not, not every, not not today anyways, young people have become <laughs> woke, but generally people would be, young people are very ignorant. I yeah. don't want that misconception. Mm-hmm. So people must generally know what's going on around them. Yes. And through that uh, playing around and having fun with a board game, and it's just in, in your spare time, mm-hmm. I'm creating that culture where we promote reading and reading for leisure. Just for yes. leisure. You, you think about it, we, we all play 30 seconds every yeah. now and then. Yeah. yeah. And... Sometimes you, you get so embarrassed from losing in 30 seconds that exactly. you actually l- take some of the cards <laughs> and, you and you look at yes. what, um, I'm all those one of those sore losers. I'm one of the sore losers. And that's why I even thought maybe the board game would be fun because if my, if I'm sitting with a group of friends yeah. Yeah. and they find that I don't know who Zayk's is and it's mm. their favorite author, obviously yeah. they'll react and sure. I'll feel ashamed that 
but how could how I, can not I not know, know this? Do you yes. understand? So that's where the idea came from. And also there's this, there's this general misconception that reading has to be difficult and you have to drag Laborous. your feet and then mm. you have, to, the sooner you find something that's appealing to you, if mm-hmm. you like fiction, read fiction mm. because also you get fiction that really talks about the culture of a place. For the likes of Ochimamanda, yeah. you, mm. you read up on her on, on, on her literature and her, and her books, and you find that it's very easy. Yes. You cannot put it down, but it at flows. the same time, it yeah. teaches you about the culture of Nigeria. Absolutely. I've never been to Lagos, but I know what Lagos looks like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. Well, what, what, what do you think? Books. What do you think about um, both of you about self help books? I've I found. You, you you talk about people like Robert T. Kiyosaki and Napoleon Hill mm-hmm. and, and people's ears, they, they start ringing. Mm-hmm. And they know who those people are. Yeah. I found personally that a lot of the principles that they outlined mm-hmm. from the anecdotes that they attached to those principles, yes. they did not necessarily apply to, to me yeah. because I have different problems mm-hmm. to what those people were facing. And because we're in different countries, mm-hmm. we're in different... Um, you know, from from an, an perspective, yeah, yeah, even the economy, absolutely, where they are and where I am mm-hmm. is very different. Mm-hmm. What, what are your sentiments on this? Um, it goes back to context. Okay, it really does. And self help books, that's exactly what it is. Self help. So the person who was writing it was writing it from a perspective of getting out of whatever tragedy that they were facing in that life sure. and whatever p- principles that they are applying are things that were able to help them get out of that ditch that they were in. Hmm. So. I think it also reminds me again and again of club readership and how we're telling our stories. So say, for example, as somebody who's from Tembisa, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've faced, for example, transport difficulties. I could then compile a self-help book on how I got out of that difficulty. So um, it's challenging now. Because a lot of people are, are getting into this idea of being woke, but we're being woke maybe with the wrong material. Okay. Maybe Robert Kiyosaki's that's, that's, rich dad, that's a, that's poor a very dad fascinating is, way of, of is, looking at it. Is is not necessarily um, relatable to you. Yeah. Why can't you find a rich dad, poor dad concept that applies to your? Maybe the capitalist nigger. Exactly. For that applies to your context. So I think it's exactly what it is. It's written from their perspectives. So let's not be so hard on ourselves to say and and remember remember one most important thing not to forget is that these people do it to get money at the end of the day. Yeah, You've yeah. seen those seminars where he usually comes to South Africa yeah. and there's a big <laughs> hoo-ha about it of, and people pay thousands to attend those seminars. Yeah. But ultimately it's to enrich himself. So what are you doing with your story to enrich yourself? Mm. I, I I, I hear what you're saying And um, to a large extent I think I agree But also mm. I, I hold a different sentiment to it okay. Because remember reading is about Emancipating yourself okay. yeah. And it's very important You want to make sure that you're not narrow-minded at all times Absolutely. Okay. You, yeah. So there's nothing wrong with reading content That will not apply to you mm. But okay. you must know what to do with that content Because there's a, there's a time where you put in a space Where you have to argue Western culture mm. What will you do oh, if you don't yeah. know about Western, about Western culture? culture. Do you understand? Pretty much uh, how Chimamanda speaks about The roommate that she had um, in, in, in one of her books mm. That the roommate was surprised That Chimamanda knew Mariah Carey exactly. That she could operate Um Oh, was yes. that in Americana? Yes. I think it was in Americana. Yeah. Was and talking about the danger, danger of, of the single narrative. Narrative, yeah. yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and even before you go, to, so because she had already read about it, mm. when she went to New York, she, she already had this perception. When she got there, she was so disappointed that a lot of things that she, she had, she had thought would become mm. were not the case. Yeah. Mm. So there's mm. nothing mm. wrong with reading content from abroad, but you must know where you belong. So yeah. that's, the, yes. that's the importance of identity. That you must know that your voice is the most important, but Absolutely. also don't be ignorant allow yourself to just explore mm. because growing is about learning and unlearning and then learning again, again. Okay. so yeah. once you know that okay this is what robert thinks and this is what um robin thinks mm. you you need to then move from that point in, but this is what i think yeah as a lutwegazi in, 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 in do you understand yeah. so but you just know that know that to, you take that information you keep it to yourself mm. know when to bring it on so mm. there's nothing wrong with reading content that's from abroad but also sure. just invest in your own space invest 
in Africa, make sure that you know about Africa because even before you even First know about it, exactly. So okay. know yourself and then you can learn about other people, but don't limit yourself because you don't want to be narrow minded at all. So I, I had, I had a friend, uh, do a, a clip and we, we're just going to listen to it and okay. he's sharing his sentiments as well. And we're just going to continue the conversation sure. from that front. All right. Good afternoon, good people. My name is Gamuhelo, co-founder of Rootnote Enterprise. Shout out to Bongani and the Youth Leadership Platform. When it comes to reading and books, statistics show that about 85% of our grade 2 to grade 4 learners cannot read. And those that could read, they couldn't read with comprehension. That could be very detrimental to the future of this country. I mean, if you think about it, um, reading... And books basically improve on people's imaginations. And that also tells us that most of these kids go through the primary school careers without really understanding what they were taught. So um, if we start or create a culture of reading, then we create a nation of intellectuals. And by so doing, we'll have better leaders in the future. Mm. Sure. What do you guys think? Hmm, very true. Yeah, yeah. Very, very true. And I think uh, last year, December, I was at the Abundant Book Festival. Mm. And um, one of the programs there includes, uh, 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 there's a session for kids. Okay. Where the likes of your Zakes and Mam Kunam Thope had created content and, and a program, very it's nice program for wow. kids. Children, yeah. And they read books for kids. And it was very, very cool. Mom-tune and contrary to you, she's nice. Like we, we grew up <laughs> in her. Yes. We grew up in her. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Remember. <laughs> Back in the day, just contrary r- to right before you go yeah. to school, contrary hey. to popular belief, yeah. black people showed up. Mm. That's a, that's a book festival for black people, yes. and black people showed sure up. So if we're saying yeah. black people don't read. I was expecting nobody. Yeah, I was expecting nobody to, to attend up, the festival. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and and this festival had started last year, no, the, the year before. So in 2016, I think that's the first. That was the first festival. Yeah, okay, and then. In 2017, mm. they had more people than they did the previous year. Mm. Do you understand that? So this whole black people don't read is a misconception. And if we're allowing ourselves to believe that, mm. we are encouraging it. Mm. So if, if we, even if we had five people, it means that there's five people willing who, who to read. Willing to read, yeah. So we cannot generalize and say black people don't read. I'm black. I read. Mm. Mm. So I agree completely with what, with what he's saying that the more people read, we breed a different culture of, 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 of leaders. We breed a different culture, a, a different uh, breed of leaders. Because yeah. once, and another thing is when you read, you're able to reason. You don't take every single thing that anyone says and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're able to draw your own conclusions. So Obangani will say something and then somebody else will say another thing. And then you sit and analyze everything and you're able to draw your own conclusions. And you don't run with what Obangani is saying because <laughs> he's always been deemed as intellectual <laughs> and yeah. smart yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and and his ideas work. What yeah. if this idea doesn't work? So if you're a reader, are you able to think, hmm, this might have worked 10 mm-hmm. years ago. I think this is where we're going. And this is what happened at a particular stage in our life in South Africa. So there's no way this particular proposed idea or solution will work. Yeah. You're yeah. able to draw yeah. your own conclusion and yeah. you back yourself up because you've read up on things that absolutely. have happened in the past. So yeah. it encourages uh, critical thinking. It really yeah. absolutely, does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think... I, I can't add anything more to what she said because reading does create that inquiring mind. Sure. And I know that whenever you read, there's a door that opens up somewhere in the world to let in just a little bit more light. You know, you reach a point where you think you've saturated yourself with information. Yeah. And then you pick up a book and you read something that's so inspiring, so touching, that opens you up to a different world yeah. than what you've, you've previously thought the world could be. And I think maybe we are doing a bit of an injustice with our education system insofar as promoting reading. Because what the stats do say, as, as, as the clip mentioned, is that a lot of children in the younger ages are not getting exposed to reading for comprehension. Yeah. So maybe we should change the approach and teach children that reading, mm-hmm. like she said earlier on, it's not a laborious task. Sure. We read for leisure. We read for growth. We read to experience other people's lived experiences. And the most important thing for us to acknowledge is in 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 that grade or in that age range from grade 1 to grade 3 we 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 read we learn to read that's mm. where the foundation is inculcated mm-hmm. but in the upper grades we read to learn mm. so if we can start changing the narrative on how we teach children 
to read, then they're better equipped to know that reading is not just something that I do in a textbook, mm. but it's something that I can do to travel to other parts of the world. And you, you think about it, a lot of the, the parents that actually take the time out to teach their kids, buy them books, yeah. um, as very, very early in their lives, mm. yeah. they get to show personality very early. Yo, yes. They, yes. They understand the world better Definitely. Very early as well Definitely And yeah. are able to navigate through life So true Better than a lot of You know So true It's, they're, it's, they're it's so associates. interesting that you say that Because recently I read a review On the Harvard Business Review Yeah um, where, where there were various CEOs That were interviewed in this review And some were talking about How many books they read on average in a year And a lot of them were reading Non-fiction books and and to our surprise, we think that CEOs read you more self-help books, more yeah. academic, academic-based books. But mm-hmm. a lot of them read um, non-fiction non, um, books. Mm-hmm. And okay. the reason they read fiction is because it allows them to tap into their emotional intelligence. Yeah. Hmm. Like you're saying with personality and character building, yeah. you can only find that in a space where you immerse yourself in a book in somebody else's shoes and you sort of sympathize and empathize with what they've been through. And it changes your perspective on so many things. Think about J.K. Rowling. I mean, yeah. she wrote okay. very Jeez. complex <laughs> books. Yeah. And, and for the mere fact that someone could pick up a 500 pager mm. and actually imagine what she was writing. Yeah. It says a lot about mm. the person's thinking capacity, sure. you know, mm. and the ability and the imagination mm. at mm. large. Mm. Mm. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> and I, I want you guys to, to, to pick or think about a book, mm. one book, one author, mm. and draw a particular lesson that, mm. that stood out for you in the entire book. Oh, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. This is easy to answer because I recently read a book, uh, "The Yearning" by Muhale Mashejo. Okay. And I, I was blown away. Mm. I was blown away because the lesson there. There's so many lessons I there's could talk about. I'm so I'm so hurt that you're talking <laughs> just, about just, just one yeah, lesson. Well. <laughs> the importance of knowing that the little things make home home. Mm. 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 And maybe this is this is an important lesson for me because I read it in conjunction um, with um, Kana Masko by okay. Taiye Salasi. Yeah. And both these two books kind of tell you something about home okay. and why you're home. And this is fiction. And um, it took me to another place, a totally different place. It took me to a different world wow. where I realized... In this day and age where we have parents, uh, kids who are growing up without their parents because they're working Mm -hmm. so hard to provide for their kids. Mm -hmm. They need to make sure that they get into the right schools and um, they want them to constantly, you know, to be, yeah, just live a very easy life. But you realize those kids are missing the essence of home, feeling like home because the parents never there. Mm -hmm. So the character, one character in the book um, has this this tradition with with a grandfather where every time at six o'clock, I don't know if it's six o'clock, but in my head it's six (laughs) o'clock. <laughs> but every time um, there's a story that goes on on radio, they sit and listen to it together and then they talk about it. Yeah. Do you understand? That's a culture of storytelling for me mm-hmm. that also stood out because storytelling is very powerful. Yeah. It's a way of bonding, creating that time, mm-hmm. our time together where we get to talk about this particular story and yeah. how I think it will progress. So. Those are the things that make home home. Wow. You want to go home because you miss your grandfather. Yeah. You miss that moment where you sit together and listen to that story, sure. laugh to that person's joke, and then t- talk about it. So uh, I really think Mohaled over, she, she, she went on she and just outdid herself. Did herself. Yeah. And yeah. that's a debut. So you mm. need to know that there's this person who wrote this book and it's her first book. Bu- her first book. Wow. So I'm definitely getting me, it now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I'm not like, get it. I'm like, what? No, for it. me, the lesson is this, yeah. it's the little things that make home home. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. So I mentioned at the beginning of my interview that I'm a very spiritual person. Okay. So I think the one book that stands out Unequivocally is the Bible for me. Okay. And growing up reading the Bible, it started off as a very laborious task because you grow up in a family that's very Christian mm. and these are laws that you have to follow. But then I came across The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Coelho yeah. And it was one of the first books that I read as, as, as a young, um, developing leader and it spoke so much to everything that my parents have been trying to teach me about the Bible that wasn't really coming through Mm. because I was almost forced to read the Bible. And in The Alchemist, he basically talks about the journey of life and how the universe conspires to helping you to to sort of realize and materialize your dreams. Mm. So 
I think it has really, after I read that book, I really, my, my spirituality catapulted in such an amazing way that I really didn't anticipate it. Mm. And I think we really learn that sometimes we need to trust in something bigger than us. Mm. So you, with, with a lot of the books that you read, mm. they, they have to tap into your spirituality. Um, I like to keep it diverse. So okay. spirituality is important, mm-hmm. but as she said, we can't be narrow-minded. So I, I also like to tap into business, personal development, your yeah. self-help books when I can. Okay. Yeah. Wh- what about yourself, Lily? Oh, I, I read. <laughs> I literally read. I, could, I, I already read that WhatsApp written. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it it depends on the mood. Okay. Mm. It really depends on the mood. So I know that I've read uh, two fiction books, um, one after the other, and I feel that I just need to just try something different. Mm. So for me, fiction just gives that very nice, refreshing breather where I've been reading heavy content. And I remember before that, I was reading, uh, it was an author. Uh, it was an autobiography, yes. And um, I felt like it was heavy because I got personal with the person's story. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I need something that will just take me away. I need to escape. Yeah. Yes, I need to escape. And I went into a different world. Now it's time for reality again because <laughs> <laughs> I constantly need to keep learning. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know if I mentioned that I work at BWD Advertising. Okay. And so I'm an account manager and I need to know that um, – what happens on the daily, uh, and I mean happens on the daily in business, mm. I need to know how it affects our economy, how mm. it affects our industry, yeah. how it affects me in my role, mm. and how I can react to certain things that are playing out. So if I, if I have that, 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 that inquiry already, it mm. means that I must read something that will tell me which sure. direction to go or, yeah. sure. or how to then uh, solve those problems in, and also trying to foresee the future. Mm. So it's really based on the mood or if I feel that there's, uh, there's something that came across and that was very interesting that mm-hmm. I, that I came across that was interesting to me, but yeah. I couldn't answer questions. Then I immediately know that there's an opportunity for the next read. So mm-hmm. if I meet you, Bongani, and you tell me you do something, and so you're a radio presenter, sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know about radio presenting. Yeah. I need to read about radio presenting. So you're sure. constantly aware that of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know a lot of things. Absolutely. So that's my yeah. problem. He's, I'm she's ve- a sponge I'm, for knowledge. I'm, yes, I want to keep <laughs> learning. So it when I have to think about something or you yeah. ask me a question I think about it and I don't know about it mm. I really just I panic because I need to read so yeah. Wow. So wow. I, th- I think from, from, from my part, it's, yeah. it's, it's more of from a philosophical, theological mm. um, standpoint. So mm-hmm. the genealogy of morality by Fre- uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually read a lot of stuff from, from mm. Friedrich and his associates and things like that. I think for me, it, 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 it kind of, Philosophy for me speaks to a lot of the things that we can't comprehend. Mm. Yes. So existential yeah. problems, yes. being nihilistic at, 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 at points, yes. you know, and trying to explain the yes. things that no one wants really to explain. can or yeah. wants to explain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for instance, you, you spoke about the Bible mm. and mm. In, the, in the genealogy of morality, Frederick Nietzsche, he puts morality in a, in, a, in a place where mm. it's obsolete. So mm. without people, mm. there can't be morality. morality. Mm. So yeah. because morality depends on people and it depends on what the society de- uh, decides mm. on, so it does it not knows. exist independently. Yeah. So because it doesn't exist independently, then it, it doesn't exist at all. Sure. So by virtue of existing because of something else then it doesn't exist wow. you know and, and, and he gets he gets into in, into a lot of things mm. but what what can we do mm. um especially in, in black communities where mm. the parent wakes up at 4 a.m 5 a.m they are out of the house mm-hmm. yeah the child needs to prepare for school needs to go to school study when they get back home mm-hmm. some children out there have got their parents reading to them mm. have got their own parents Helping them with homework, with homework yeah. but this one particular child or group of kids don't have their parents to mm. to help them with with all of that, mm. and the parent comes at home around nine p.m. and all he or she wants to do is to cook, make sure everything is ready for, for the, the next, next day, yeah. and that's done. A lot of those kids fall through the cracks, yeah. sure, and they're not nurtured. Mm. Some of them are very gifted yes. You yeah. engage them in conversation You get to tap into their emotional intelligence And you realize How much potential is locked into that person But because they're mm. not literate They can't express themselves In a way that 
in this current society they can mm. be deemed as competent and by virtue of that doors mm. can open to them Yes, yeah. I think uh, that was also a very important thing for me when I sat and I conceptualized the, the board, board game, game because okay. I realized so, so it's not just limited to a board game. There's a whole series. There's, there's, there's a, there's a series for kids where you get cards where they just play cards with, so the card would have an image. So for example, of a lion and, um, on the one side it's written lion and the back side it's written ipubesi. Okay. And, you know, so you, you get to learn that ipubesi, but, but even before, you can have those the child needs to know that this it, it, this is welcome in their environment so by virtue of the of the, of the parent buying this sort of material for the kids mm-hmm. maybe it starts with a picture book because at, there's a certain Absolutely. point where the child can't read yeah. but when they see pictures they're able to visualize and, and when they get to the point where you then start introducing them to words mm-hmm. then they're able to see this thing because they, they're used to the culture so we create that culture at a very early age mm-hmm. by making reading fun and if you know that you're a parent you not always there make sure that the child has access somehow to mm. content that will stimulate the mind mm. because it might not necessarily be reading at a very early stage but once once you start to, to get them used to that culture of focusing and analyzing and seeing things mm. and being able to tell the difference between this and the other then it, it's easier for them when they start reading words mm. they, they, they they then start re- responding they even they even know how to express themselves better because of this that's so that's the thing level. Second level is in our communities. So we have the likes of, of what she does. It's a book Yourself club. We don't necessarily well. have to have a book club for adults only. Okay. When kids are gathered, Absolutely. let's have some sort of program mm. that allows them to, if they're not, re- they cannot read at that stage, storytelling is very important. Yes. What Mamukuna did uh, right along with Uzeg's on the, on the, on the, on the, on the Abandu Book Festival. That's something that should be happening on the daily. So if it's a weekend thing, yeah. get kids gathered around the local community. I'm pretty sure the municipality would allow them to use a community hall or yeah. something, mm-hmm. or there's a crash somewhere they yeah. can gather together. That needs to be our responsibility as people of the communities, as young leaders to facilitate those programs and have this, the systems in place. Because we talk about recreation and it's all great that we, we uplift sports and activities, but we also need to realize that reading needs just about that much aggression Priority. to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to prioritize it. We need to understand that as much as a book club is, an impo- is important for an adult, adults, it's yeah. important for kids as well. Yeah. Let's create Especially an environment. Because they're forming. And they're morphing Absolutely. Right And it's very important That you get things right On the foundation stage So the, 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 the more they grow older They understand that This is a, It's a lifestyle for them mm. I cannot You cannot tell me that you, There's no book that you're reading Because If that's your lifestyle You constantly have something You're reading Absolutely. Day after day Yeah So when we create that culture And we don't make it Something foreign Or something optional It becomes Something that you do mm. Then it'll be it's easier For us to tackle it mm. Mm. It's a lifestyle So Yeah just as she put it, um, she, she hit the nail on the head. Um, the inability of a young person to read or to allow themselves that opportunity to read is akin to a social injustice. Okay. Because we're depriving that young mind of an ability to explore the world when they grow older. So the onus really is on us as young people who've realized that this is a problem to start forming and mobilizing around, um, the civil society and starting those engagements where we can afford young people to, to get into book clubs. Mm. Um, I know, for example, there's a friend of mine, Gamachelo Lesabe. Yes. She started a book club in high schools in the Lanesia area. Okay. Um, where they're basically going around every afternoon. Well, they started last year. They're going around every afternoon choosing different schools in which to host this book club. It also gives these young people from these various schools an opportunity to interlink because they're from different schools and then they all come together and they form smaller little book clubs. Mm. And just like she said, storytelling, it doesn't even have to start with reading because a lot of them, what we've noticed is when we do these assessments is they're even afraid to pick up a book and read in English. Mm. It's scary. It's a nightmare for them because even the culture in which they're taught. I mean, think about it this way. If ukulele lukshini in, 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 in the township area, you're taught English. Yeah. If <laughs> they will teach you English. 
kasizulu you yeah. will learn who read this itafulaleli it's a table yeah. so that kind of puts the child at at a back end and and it disadvantages them because it cripples their their, their self confidence so when we start to tell stories and we encourage them that they can tell these stories in their mother tongue then we've already enabled them and it goes back again to to the cultural restoration and 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 the heritage and 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 taking pride in our heritage because then they realize that it doesn't even have to be about english i can tell these stories and i can read these stories in my own language mm-hmm. yeah but to be competent uh, i need it's to important understand to be competent language. in yeah. the language sure. but i'm 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 not completely lost if i can't do it it's a step in the sure. right direction hmm. Let's talk a bit about uh, the relationship between uh, the confidence and mm. knowing, you know, yeah. the, the advantage of knowing and his relationship to, to confidence. I know a very good friend who <laughs> see a song when he, he has got confidence for days. <laughs> That's because he knows what he knows. Yeah. Yeah. And when he speaks about what he speaks about, if you were to challenge him, he's got 10 years of the know-how of Yay. that particular thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I think immediately when you said that, I, 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 I remembered something that I had a conversation with our creative director. And Ubangani said to me, when you're talking about something you don't know, people can immediately tell. Yeah. Your body language, your voice. Your facial expression. Every single yeah. thing. People are able to tell when you're talking about something you don't know. Mm. So that's where reading comes in. Mm. I remember on one day, Lida, it, it used to be such a, it's, it's a very crazy environment. It's, 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 it's tense, but yeah. at the same time, the adrenaline, it's very exciting. But you need to know constantly that the other party will bring up something that you need to defend and you need facts. So immediately when you don't know what you're talking about, they can see. So that's, there's another tactic that people use in debate. Yeah. So mm. as soon as I mention something and I know that you don't know what you're talking about, I see it in your posture. I see it in, the, in mm. your eyes. And you see the upper hand. Do you understand? Yeah. So I already know to bring in statistics because then chances are you don't know anything about the topic that we're talking about and you're able to Kill that partner or that, that, that opponent mm. in that regard. So when you read, you constantly have something to argue on. Absolutely. There's, there's, in politics, especially, especially, we get people who just argue for the sake of it sometimes. <laughs> and you just realize there's no basis of this argument. Yeah. Sure. When you read, you're able to draw, um, you, you, you get your, you, you support your, your, your argument mm. at all times because you have content ready. Mm. You, you just, you get you get facts and it's it's so effortless because this for you it's something that it's you you chances are you won't you won't remember something you read about and yeah. you thought about mm-hmm. but if somebody asks you about something and you're supposed to think on the spot you'll take time mm-hmm. because you're not in your comfort space yes. so that's why you find that even when I try blog and when I blog about books that I've read it's 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 effortless it's very mm-hmm. strong but when I blog about somebody's somebody else somebody a book some some book that somebody else read yeah oh that was a tongue twister <laughs> <laughs> Some book that somebody else read, then um, yeah, it's it, it's a lot difficult. Um, can I can I just um, put my two cents in there? Yeah. I have a very special friend of mine. We started varsity together, and he he comes from Tembisa, Sivele, and he is incredibly intelligent. So he's very mathematically inclined. Sure. But we found that there was a very big gap in being able to express that inclination and his intelligence on mm. paper and even to the lecturers yeah. because of, of, of the gap or the, the language barrier rather. And that, that really built up a huge confidence deficit because it was years and years of growing up in the township and not being exposed to reading content other than what was presented to you in class. Yeah. So much so that when you got into a space that started challenging a different side of, of you, of you, yeah. you were sort of starstruck. Mm. So we really, really need to take it upon ourselves to encourage this reading because it does expose you to. Well, thank you very yeah. much uh, for, for coming through and hanging with us at the studio. Unfortunately, that's, that's all we have time no. for, for today. <laughs> um, but the, the conversation continues. Continues on YLP Cliff Central on Twitter and Instagram and Youth Leadership Platform on Facebook sim- at Simply Bongani across all social media platforms. It's at Ludwig Azi um, and at Claudie on, yes. on, on, on Twitter. Um, this has been um, a pleasure, guys. Uh, a pleasure. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming through. Thanks that for was us. that was <laughs> see for change for a change. Yeah. This is CliffCentral.com.